1: everyone welcome back to not another whiskey podcast we have a lovely lineup for you today and if you're looking for holy grail whiskies that can be sipped by gods wearing plus fours whilst dangling grapes from above and munching them away this is definitely not the place for you however it might be after a few drams i am your co-host it's Daz haldane here
3: And it's me Mitch, Uh, welcome guys If you're new around here, then Daz and I have got a combined 30 years of whiskey ambassador experience We also enjoy a wee whiskey now and again And this week's episode, uh, we're going to be chatting about the best whiskey bars and best bars around the world And kind of how to drink in them Um, Yes, that's right, we're going to be teaching you how to drink in a bar again Because everyone has been away from them for so
1: long Uh, Mate, that's right, we have, well... You've got to listen to us, as usual, Uh, but for the first time ever, we've got a really, really special guest who's going to join us. So rather than just listening to Mitch and I uh, leather each other with shit chat, you also have somebody else who's going to add some more shit chat to that. And more on that as we go. Yeah, guys, so stay tuned for the usual Diamond Whiskey banter chat
3: uh, that you've ex- come to expect from us from the last three episodes. If you haven't listened to our first episode- episodes, then what are you doing here? Go back and check them out, because there's some podcasting gold in there. Podcasting? Is that? Is podcasting a word, Daz? I don't even know. I think it is. Podcasting. Yeah. It is now. It is now. All right, so big news for this week. We
1: have a sponsor for the show now. Mitch, that's right. And it's a great honour to announce a huge honour in fact, that the talented fiddler Fanny McSporrin and her band of kilted futtrits have sponsored this week's episode. So here is a word from our very own Fanny.
0: Fit like, whiskey loving, loons and quind, it's Fanny McSporrin here. I am so proud to be sponsoring nay another whiskey podcast. I've been busy practicing on my fiddle this week with my band, the Kilted Futhurts. We love to get you on a dance floor at any celebration, especially a wedding. The Futhurts always get blutered on a whiskey, and here go in a groomsman or if it's a healing wedding, the sheep do mind a wee go. So put your dancin shoes on and let me and my foottress take you on a Scottish musical adventure with our brand new CD including classic covers like Fitz Love Got a Diet. I did it my way. Fit like a virgin, Dinner stop me new, and that classic Abody loves a ginger minge. So or to the website and give us a listen at www.fannyfiddler.com.
3: Right, Daz, amazing to see Fanny as our sponsor. Such a great band, and it's amazing to see that they, they don't really adhere to any of those Scottish stereotypes, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. I've um, actually just spent an hour in the car, and I was listening away. It was lovely. Uh, the track... Roddy, first, your fit bobbits boots is probably one of my favourites.
3: Oh, classic, mate, classic. Love yeah. that one. <laughs> All right, so listen, let's get into uh, into this week's episode. Introduced our first ever guest on the show. Uh, this guy has been known to make a few cocktails in his time. He's worked the occasional cocktail bar, and he's actually judged a load of international cocktail competitions. He's a legend in his own mind. He's so hairy that when he came out, the doctor had to check that he wasn't an ape, We like to call him Firstborn, but he also goes by the name of Barry Wilson, incredible drinks entrepreneur who owns two companies, Scotch and Limon, and his new venture, DrinksDrop.com. Now, Baz, you can also add to your impressive resume that you're the first ever guest on Not Another Whiskey podcast. So welcome to the show, man.
4: Thank you so much. It's so honoured, and and what a lovely, lovely intro. Thanks, Mitch, and and (laughs) thank you, Daryl.
1: Uh, you are very welcome, Baz. It's so lovely to see you again and hear your lovely voice. Uh, you know, to counteract all of those lovely things that, that Mitch has said to you, you know, about you and your history and your career and things, um, never forget where you're from, Barry. You're from Dunfermline. Uh,
4: absolutely. And and on that point, you guys would be nothing without me. Just remember that. <laughs> absolutely nothing. Um, Daryl, you'd still be working in Asda. And, yeah. And uh, Mitch, <laughs> Do you know. know
1: no. I, 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 uh, and annoyingly, you got a job in ASDA. Remember, I got turned down three times. I never actually got the job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm not. I'm not bitter so, at all.
3: So to explain to everyone, we obviously uh, the three of us go back quite a long way. Um, I think. Well, we all knew each other in the, the the bar, sort of game back in Edinburgh, and then we actually worked together uh, in Diageo. Baz, Baz was the first one to get into Diageo, and then. Uh, Daz and I followed. Sorry, I'm going to call you Barry, not Baz, because then it will be Baz and Daz and people will get confused as to who we're talking about here. So Barry yeah, well, was I, the I, I was confusion.
4: the original Baz and then Daryl uh, then changed his name to Daz, just, I think just to annoy me, really, um, yeah. which it did. So congratulations. Yeah,
1: it was quite funny, wasn't it? Because when people would talk about us as, as a plural, as a couple, perhaps, or whatever, they would call us the Azes. <laughs> did <they? laughs> I think before we get into this,
3: let's kind of define what we regard as a great bar. So, Baz, I know with with, with your company, you've been doing, um, you know, a lot of consultancy work with bars. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's good to, I'm, I'm going to pass this over to you first. What, what do you think makes a great bar?
4: Well, uh, there are many, many great bars around this world. And we, I think all of us, we've been lucky enough to travel around the world and, and. Uh, try these bars out and and even sort of help them along the way and um for me a, a great bar has to have a great bartender um I, the, you know it sounds it sounds a bit simple but having that host having that bartender who's welcoming they, they don't have an ego and they, they make you a drink that you like and it's a drink that's for you and not just for them to show off because to be honest, um, there's quite a lot of bars right now that are just making drinks to show off to their peers. I like the you know the simplicity of going into a bar. You know, it's it's beautiful decor. You know, a lovely smile behind the bar and a cracking drink. And um, it's a, it's a simple recipe, but so many people are missing the mark just now. For me, it's that's a great bar. And whether it's the Silver Birch in Cowden Beef or or Zuma in Dubai, I think they both uh, tick those boxes for me. Uh, so it's, it doesn't have to be, you know, all singing, all dancing, and fancy. You've got to get dressed up to go into it. a great bar. Can be anytime, any place.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, I think the eye opener for for me definitely within the trade was, you know, if we go back to our bartending days when we were all making, uh, you know, sex on the beaches and cosmopolitans back in Edinburgh, and it was it, it was all that kind of bling. You know, you had like opal opal lounge kicking off, and it was all that. Mm-hmm. really kind of expensive interiors to these places and then you had someone you know like um Mike and Jason come along and open Bramble uh, that yeah. was you know and, and Stuart McCluskey as well with with Bon Vivant. just those places that didn't focus on how it all looked but it was all about the experience when you went in uh, and the service that you're getting to, to your absolutely
4: company. and 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 the vill- uh, villager as well you know Kyle's oh, yeah. and the villager I think that was that was really sort of groundbreaking at the time as well about that just you know, it was, it was a sort of neighbourhood bar that done really, really good drinks. And, you know, we all, me and Daryl worked together in Rex. I think you were at Brown's at the time, weren't you, Mitch? And yeah. um, I, I know from behind it, I was thinking about this as well. We, we rarely sold any whiskey. It was all cocktails. It was because, and I remember in Brown's, it was like a raspberry daiquiri you guys done in there. It was, it was flying out. We were, we were Cosmos and Flirtinis. And um, I think, you know, that was, that was a sort of early 2000s, late, late 90s uh, but now it's changed so much you know people will you know there's far more accessibility people know more about spirits they know more about what they want to drink so it's, it's um, yeah it's definitely changed since we've been behind the bar
3: yeah i'd say i, I think the, the biggest thing is the back bar as well right you look at back mm. bars now and brine liquid is like front and center where in mm. our days it was always always vodkas and gins right it was always the yeah worst.
4: yeah i remember uh, my dad i grew up in a pub in cow and beef and um it was the silver birch and it was an institution and um i'd say you know quite a lot of people did drink whiskey there but there's only sort of three four four you know options of whiskey uh same three couple of vodkas one gin um mirage and taboo uh, there was always mirage and taboo like no one you never sell any um but there was malibu, always as a two well. malibu yeah that ball was Man. open on the back bar um full of sugar but then, yeah, it was, there was, but now you just go into any pub, uh, you know even if you' go in the Silver Birch now, please don't. And, and you will see they will have a bigger variety of whiskey. and even, it's something not we were responsible for, but we've we done a I don't know if you remember the malt splits mm-hmm. um, I for, oh, we went around pretty much every single bar and hotel in, in Scotland and offered them the, the, the flavor map. You know, you having, you know, extending your range of single malts to give, you know, customers more choice. And, you know, that things like that, you know, the used guys being as brand ambassadors actually helped uh, the, the choice in bars. So you've actually achieved something in your life, guys. Well done.
3: Thanks, Barry.
1: Is that patronizing enough? <laughs> Not at all. No, no, no. That, um, that feels really good. I'm going to quote you on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the thing. And you've mentioned Bamboo. You talk about range. I think that's the thing we haven't talked about is the it's what's on that bar. What is the range of things? You, you, you're you then moving from a bar that or a, or a restaurant or whatever that, that is a generalist into a specialist type of venue. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's where I think certainly this conversation and where we're going to go here probably will lead to is as you go around the world, the best Scotch bars bizarrely are not in Scotland, in my opinion. You know, some of the best pubs and bars I've been to that are there to hero everything that is great about Scottish whiskey I have been in other countries. They've been in Japan and Taiwan, Singapore. Uh, go out to even out to L.A. Mitch, the Seven Grand, and places like that. Very few places in Scotland are delivering a range, a service, and an environment to enjoy whiskey like some of these guys are. That's a good little segue there, Daz. So, like, well, let's
3: talk about our top bars. Around the world, um, if you'd have to, I don't know, say top five, right? Top five bars that that you'd want to go to. Barry, we'll start with you.
4: Oh, I'll give you one just now. I mentioned it before, but um, Zuma in Dubai. Now, it's not if you if you've been to Zuma in London, it's completely different. It's um, same company, but it's just. I was saying, you walk in and the atmosphere just completely hits you. It's just, you know, magnificent. The music's always on point, lighting, beautiful people. Um, the food's exceptional. And they've, they've got a guy, Jimmy Barrett, uh, originally from the south of France, and, and he's been based over there for years now. And, and it's the, the welcome you get from all these guys. And it's, it's set up like a kitchen. You know, he's at the back just shouting out orders behind this massive block of ice. All the bartenders are completely on point, and the, the, it's just a theatre and, and the, the drinks they create. There's no, nothing too complicated, but they always do just this little bit extra uh, just to make it class, whether it's a little Zuma stamp on their ice block or serving a gin and tonic in a, in a bag. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. And for me, that's always my, it's definitely in the top five for me, always. So I'll start with that one.
1: Yeah, that's a great venue. I've been before, Baz, and um, I love that. Whiskey is very much front and centre of what they're doing. You know, If you come into the UK and you look at the top 10 selling cocktails in bars, whiskey's not in there at all. Um, no. You know, Go out there to places like Zuma, their top selling cocktails, a good few of those will be whiskey drinks, which is brilliant. You know, And these guys, they embrace it, they protect the integrity of the whiskeys, but they celebrate the flavours and they deliver yeah. them in beautiful ways and and it is like it's beautiful these drinks are like paintings a lot of the time you know and it, they, they so are good.
4: yeah yeah it's great for which is now you know in the digital world is, is is what makes a successful bar really is is um you know showcasing what you can do digitally you know so it's got to look beautiful and I remember in, in um Zuma I think it was with uh, the McAllen uh, a serve they have done it was a, an old stave from a McAllen castle no idea how they got hold of that because I know they Right, <laughs> there we go. I literally you posted managed, them over. You, I posted managed, them ten.
1: Posted them ten staves.
4: <laughs> you, I can't believe! I can't believe you. You must have got someone to help you. Um, oh. But again, they, they, they just with a blowtorch burn the stave. So already you're like, what's going on here? And they're just burning the stave. You, you smell that sort of toasted sherry coming off the stave. Then place a the glass over the top, capture the smoke, and then pour the whiskey in. So it's, it's just little bits like that. You're like, you know, it, it got me wanting to try a whiskey. It got, you know, the whole room interested, or at least they noticed it. So it's just, that's why they, I think, sell more whiskey because they're making it exciting to, to um, a, new, a new customer base.
1: What about you, Daz? Oh, well, I, it's a hard one. I think with the mixed drinks and stuff, it depends what you're looking for, or you could go classic, just a great place to sit have a wee beer and have a wee whiskey that can still be delivered in a really nice way. I'm going to choose two. Um, The first one I'm going to choose that I was in last week was the Highlander Inn up in the middle of Spayside. What I love about that place is it's run by Tatsuya-san, a Japanese guy who, who has another couple of bars back in Japan, whiskey bars. And I love it because he's embraced everything that's great about Scotland, but he's also got a little bit of that international feel to it as well. You know, his experience of service in Japan, and the way that things can be done is is really evident in a place like the Highlander Inn. And I just love that place. It almost feels like my little safe place. My, my heart rate just drops about 10 beats per minute. And I just sort of chill when I'm in there. It's so, so good. Every time I go back, I love it. And they do independent bottlings. They do their own bottlings and stuff, which I, they fleece me every time. Every time I'm in there, oh, we've got a new bottling, Daz. Did you know we've got one? I'm like, i have to get one now. So I bought one last week uh, and I, it's, it's almost finished, actually. It was great. Um, so Highlander Inn definitely in Scotland would be one of my favourite places to go for a great Scotch. One of my favourite places abroad is um, if you go to Bar Butler in Hong Kong, in um, TST in Hong Kong, that is a great place. It's actually run by two Japanese bartenders. But what they do is they deliver... Great drinks all the time. You can get a great dram neat. You can get cask strength, whatever you want. You know, you can get these unicorn whiskeys, but you can also get a banging old fashioned or a great whiskey sour made by these incredibly brilliant Japanese bartenders. So, Bar Butler in uh, in Hong Kong is definitely one of my favourite favourite places. Every time I go to Hong Kong, that's usually the first stop for me. Mitch, you you must have, especially living in America, uh, seeing this great cocktail scene and things like that you must have been mm. to some pretty special places over there um what's yeah, your favorite I
3: mean, yeah I, I was kind of thinking about this and I've got I have got quite a few from uh from the U.S. um you've already mentioned one of them seven grand in LA definitely comes into it. and that that was actually the first place that I did a whiskey tasting in the U.S. as well so bit of a bit of a special place in my heart with that bar but you know also the bartenders really know their stuff there I mean you go in they've just got a wall of whiskey I think it's right about. Seven, 800 bottles of whiskey behind the bar and it's just whiskey everywhere you know and and, and those guys are really passionate about it and um, they've got the little jackalope room through the back that's like a secret room you can you have to to do like a secret uh, knock to get in and it's a tiny little mini bar through the back there that you can have a, a great experience i was lucky enough to go to, to, to hawaii a few times and there was a place called vintage cave and it, it was unbelievable it was actually in like a shopping mall but it's it was in the car park of a shopping mall. So you drove into the car park, and then you just saw see this brick wall, and it's just got this tiny sign on it saying "Vintage Cave," uh, and you go in, and the guy had brought bricks from New England, so all the way over on the east coast of America, all the way to Hawaii, and then it just it's just all brickwork inside. So it's just like these tunnels, um, amazing artwork, like fantastic drinks. They had um, the chef from the who used to be in the French Laundry. Uh, in Napa Valley, he was the chef there, so the food was just unbelievable. But private members bar, just super exclusive, lucky enough to, to get in there. Flat Iron Room, you guys have probably been there. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that has to go in there, that's just unbelievable. The amount of whiskey they have in there, you know, the the the, the, the whole atmosphere as well, you go in there when, when it's a, a banging night, it's just busy, they've got a band on, and you know, it's usually like some some live jazz or something like that, and it's just an amazing place. Um, so, yeah, in the U.S., that, that would be the ones that I'd go for. I think also I put in, coming closer to home, Blackrock Whiskey Bar uh, down in London. I think the boys, you know, Tristan and Tom do an amazing job of of promoting whiskey in a different way. Um, that table with the the aging of the whiskey and right in the middle of it, like, that's so cool. I agree. Bye-bye.
4: That's exactly what we're, you know whiskey needs to move away from as well. You know, I think we all grew up and, and it's quite interesting how we're all choosing quite lively venues as well. You know, the music playing, you know, we probably grew up when it was just um, quiet and still time and a bit sort of serious whiskey. I think, you know, the bars like Black Rock, you know, they're talking about, an, a, you know, from a flavor point of view, as opposed to a historical or, you know, uh, you know, geography, uh, so they, they're, they're talking about flavor, which I think no one was doing really. Um, yeah. but, and, and that's so important.
1: It changes it though, doesn't it? It goes from that that drink that is either for you on your own, that reflection kind of <laughs> malt moment or that bonding moment where it's one-on-one and you're toasting a wedding or a birthday or a funeral. You know, whiskey is always going to be involved in those kind of more sedate situations. And I think a lot of people kind of always think of whiskey when they think about things like that. These high-tempo places like Zuma, like Seven Grand, I remember being in Seven Grand, the bar was full. It was all different types of ages. It was a real mix of boys and girls. There was, live, there was a live band on in the corner. It was a Tuesday night, place was bouncing. There was old fashions, whiskey sours flying around. It was just like, that's just not the impression that you would have had 10 years ago of what Scotch is all about. But it definitely is, I think, a really important thing kind of moving forward, you know, that sociable conviviality of, of, of what it can be. And it's really exciting because as you go around the world and seeing it mixed in this way, I always think Scotland's the worst place sometimes to enjoy whiskey because you don't get to see it in everything it can be. You go, you know, go to China, it's whiskey and green tea in nightclubs. Uh, You go to, uh, you know, go to Puerto Rico, it's coconut water and whiskey. Brazil, it's passion fruit and whiskey. You know, there's so many different ways whiskey is enjoyed around the world. And in Scotland, I always remember my dad or my granddad, I can't remember who it was, saying, the only thing, son, that you should put in a whiskey is another whiskey, and it's like, mm. oh man, come on, what's these rules all about? Let's play with this stuff, you know.
4: Absolutely, it was de- definitely much more sedate. And as you said, around the world, it's more celebratory whiskey. But we, we just uh, cry into our whiskey usually, and just don't let you know, just <laughs> moan when people try to have fun with it. <laughs> I remember, my my dad actually um, threw someone out of the pub for laughing. And then, uh, I don't think it got barred, but it just got, you know, just a couple of days in the sin bin.
0: Guess the whiskey, get the whiskey,
3: get the whiskey, get the whiskey, get the whiskey,
2: get
3: the, the whiskey. All right, so well done to all those guys who got the whiskey correct last week. Uh, had a few people message me, including uh, Georgie Crawford. Well done to her. The clues were that the distillery is uh, by a church, church is only a few hundred meters away from the still house. Uh, it's situated in a popular whiskey making region. And it was opened by an Englishman who has a wine background. And the answer was Kilhoman on Isla. Okay, guess the
1: whiskey. Guys, the next distillery, I'm gonna give you three clues. It was once upon a time, not known as this name. Um, so it was known as something else. And it was known as the Small Isles Distillery. It was closed for 62 years, reopening in 1963. And it's from within the Highlands and Islands whisky region.
3: All right, so answers on a, a postcard. I think we, we still haven't worked out how people are going to answer it. So, so the way
1: I, that it was working was if you put in a postcard, you write on Daryl Haldane and send it to Scotland, that it'll just get to me. That's yeah. right. Because your dad's a postie. Because my dad's a postie, he'll get it. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
4: Your well, dad's a terrible postie. Don't do that. <laughs> These uh, uh, post. my mum and dad's post day. they've not had mail for two years
3: <laughs> You know I was, I was chatting to someone the other day, I think it was me and Daz that were chatting about this Remember that time when you tricked me Barry to go and try and sell my car to your mate um, you, you and Phil No, that wasn't me <laughs> so To Explain what this motherfucker did I'll probably cut out motherfucker that's a little bit strong <laughs> Yeah, My mum will be listening to it so yeah that'll be good So to explain what what Barry did, I had, it was the time when we didn't have any kind of, you know, marketplace or internet, basically, and you had to put a for sale sign on your car. So I was driving around with this for sale sign, you know, and my number and all this stuff. So I get a phone call and it's this guy uh, saying like, oh, I'm interested in buying your car, but I don't have any transportation. So can you bring it round at this, like on, I think it was a Sunday at four o'clock or something stupid like that. I'm like, yeah, okay, no problem, I'll come round." So I go around, knock on this door, and this lady answers the the, the door. And I say, oh, you know, I can't remember his name, but I was, is, is Chris there? Uh, he, he's interested in buying my car. And she's like, no, no, Chris hasn't lived here for like 10 years. Turns out it was Barry putting on a voice, calling me up, sent me around to his mate's house that he went to school with or something, right? <clears throat>
4: Uh, just the address, I knew the address basically, uh, and that's the only address it could spring to mind. But I was honing my different, um, you know, my language skills really, and I it was, it was just uh seeing what accents I could do. And that, that was that was you know, you, you were a bit un- an unfortunate guinea pig in, in that process. Um, so, um, but it was a nice, <laughs> like, it was a good car, you never know, you never know. I, I knew he could drive he did have a license so basically i was trying to help you out mitch so you are welcome you sold it in the end didn't you
3: yeah not to not to your mate though well uh, he must have told his mate uh so yeah so worst experiences who wants to to take this anyone had any really bad experiences yeah. in whiskey bars or cocktail bars I've,
1: I've, I've, I've let myself down a couple of times and um my dignity is probably still in a few places you know and hidden under a bar stool or in a corner somewhere so my um, my first trip to Japan was an interesting one, and I was going out there and uh, to meet up with all these whiskey enthusiasts and do all the tastings for whiskey clubs and bartender clubs and stuff like that. So we go to this customer of ours. I was working for Highland Park, and this guy was really, really excited to see us. And he had all these bottle keeps, you know, these lockers that have got little padlocks on them. People keep their bottles in, and, and then whenever they go back, they can just, you know, pick their bottle up and go for it. So... All of their bottle keeps are full of Highland Parks. This guy's a massive enthusiast, all sorts of bottles and stuff. So I was brilliant. I was like, Man, no, great, of course, we'll go there. We'll sit down. And what I didn't know was is that he wanted to give me the honour of opening the karaoke for the evening.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: uh, as I walk in, he's like, quick, quick, come, come. So we go to the table, we sit down, and a bottle of Highland Park arrives, and we have a couple of drams, and he's like, right, microphone in my hand. like you you start you start and he says what do you like to sing and I says I don't know and he said well you choose something I was like right no problem Elton John sacrifice have you got that and he's like no (laughs) okay he's like but I do have an Elton John song I said well just put that on that'll be fine I'm sure the words all all come to me he's like no no it's okay I've got the screen I said brilliant so we go in front of the screen everyone's like yeah Mr Highland Park's gonna kick the karaoke off tonight so I'm I'm standing in front of the screen and Circle of life comes on, but it's like a Japanese version. It's like ding, 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 ding. Much more delicate than I was expecting. So I go for it, right? I just, I'm all in. I've had a couple of drams. I'm right up for it. And I start, and the guy could see the guy. He's like, oh no. And I'm kind of looking at him going, he's not he's not pleased with my performance at all. And in Scotland, of course, it's good to be shite at karaoke. You know, you, you, you don't want anyone that's a good singer because all of it, they're show-offs, right? That's, you don't want that. You need to be bad. Uh, I'm being as bad as I normally am at karaoke. After 30 seconds, he cuts me off. He says, not very good. That was not very good. I said, oh, I'm really, really sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to let you down. So I get shuffled back to my table and I just get back on the whiskeys. I don't really think anything of it because I've got no shame, sadly. So anyway, that, that, that happens. And the guy that was looking after me is a guy called Kenji Hori. Right. And Kenji Hori actually now works for Drew Clady over in Japan. So I, I go out with him after this and I don't really think about it. And he, he sort of pulls me aside and he's like earlier on when you were singing that Circle of Life song, it wasn't very good. And I says, no, no. But in Scotland, it's OK. It's no one cares. And he's like, well, in Japan, it really matters. And I was like, really? And he says, yeah, everybody has three songs. So we go to the next karaoke bar and he stands up and he does Neil Diamond Forever in Blue Jeans. Kenji's English was not the best. Right. And I mean, not good at all. Uh, but he could sing in english unbelievably well he sings forever in blue jeans honestly i had a lump in my throat it was so lovely you know the boy he could sing it pitch perfect so i'm sort of sitting there going no wonder i got kicked off the karaoke like that's it <laughs> so ever since then i've been working on my three songs uh, for that opportune moment when i get kicked into the karaoke back in japan but it's, it's never happened since sadly
4: well until this moment here we go, so song we number we go. one, Daryl, Here we go. Um, I'll, I'll play the track. What uh, so what's go. this going to be? It's Darryl. two
1: hearts living, baby.
3: <laughs> oh dear,
4: it's so true though. I I, um, I I was so blessed to go to Japan with uh, Tom Nickel. and um, so Tom had been distiller. He first of all worked in whiskey distilleries for about thirty years. Then he was the tankery uh, master distiller. And we were in Japan. Exactly the same thing. We were in a, a karaoke bar, and I think Tom tried to sing "Mustang Sally" or something, and um, terrible. And and we actually got like got bootied out, off and out. And, and it was just uh, it was they hated it, and uh, right, rightly so, rightly so. But it's uh, so so that's that's a bit of a tip, isn't it? Enjoy the whiskey. Don't get carried away with the karaoke. When in Japan,
3: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I remember the when I was in LA, uh, Koreatown was was an area that we were focusing a lot on. So I had to do a lot of stuff in the karaoke bars there. Man, it was it got crazy. It got crazy really quickly. Well, I remember one of the days in particular. I think we did like three or four karaoke bars in one night. And the next day, I had to drive from LA up to Santa Barbara, which is normally about a two-hour drive. It took me about seven hours. I was just so hungover. At one point, I found a beach and I, I was just lying on the beach. And I think it was Ventura, which is like halfway up between L.A. and, and Santa Barbara. And I, I just had to lie on the beach, passed out, woke up to a homeless guy actually like kicking me to make sure I was all right. I looked that bad.
4: O- only good singing in bars works, I think. And yeah. um, I think yeah, to your point, I agree with you, Daryl, as well. If someone's all right at it or, or that, you know, they're, they're above all right. It's just a bit awkward, isn't it? It's just a bit too, you know, you've got to be either terrible or incredible at karaoke or, or just don't do it.
3: All right, bye. So let's talk, let's move uh, a little bit away from bars and let's talk about some whiskey cocktails because you've got the drinks drop, which is going yeah. amazingly well. Website looks fantastic. You sent me some cocktails recently, which I enjoyed. Um, what have you been making up whiskey-related with, with cocktails recently? Anything interesting?
4: Yeah, there's still, so with the drinks drop, it's, um, we have to stabilize the cocktail so there's we can't really have anything perishable within the in the cocktail so we focus on you know things like old fashions you know negroni style drinks you know martinis thick drinks that are could be served up or, but one thing that we actually found out within our pouches is we could do we could actually heat the drinks up um so you, you obviously go in the freezer to get your martini down to perfect temperature but we also you just put in a pan of water and it can make a beautiful uh, whiskey cocktail. So we had some crackers on, um, you know, some of them on the list for Christmas. But the one that, you know, the top selling drink is a a Talisker Seaside Old Fashioned. So yeah, just a little bit of uh, vinegar and some Talisker, and a little bit of honey in there as well, and some, just some uh, salt. And it just, you know, a beautiful, it just works so well. And I think, um, uh, Jason, the Talisker brand ambassador, says, you know, reminds him of drinking a Talisker with some chips and vinegar and salt, you know, just on, on the, the banks of Skye. And, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful drink. And that's uh, I think we, what we find as well is, is people buy what they know. So they know what an old fashioned is going to be. They know what Talisker is. So, you know, it's, it's, I think that's the thing. People can overcomplicate cocktails sometimes as well and try and make them not very accessible to consumers. But you know that just does exactly what it says on the tin, really. Um, you know, it's, it's got that maritime feel. So that that's a that's a. Did you try that one, Mitch?
3: Yeah, that was one that was in my pack, which I really enjoyed. But let's talk about the drinks drop. How did you get involved in that? How did that all come about?
4: Well, we um we have got a distribution uh, company that um obviously when the first COVID about hit the start of last year, uh, we you know we we sold to bars you know we sell directly to bars and products that we import from all around the world and we've got a team um together that that were doing that so we were like okay this is this is not great for us but instead of getting you know angry instead of getting you know just switching on netflix and and enjoying the furlough we uh we wanted to do something that was uh i don't know just keep ourselves busy that was that was the thing to keep ourselves active because I think from us, it's a big sociable job that we do. You know, you're know, you speaking to you know, lots and lots of people every day, then to go into isolation and not have a purpose, I was, I was really worried about. Um, plus we wanted to you know, keep the communication going with the bars and we wanted to make, you know, so it wasn't a case of when they shut down for three months, then hi, remember me. So we, um, we came up with an idea, just obviously they would create a cocktail recipe. We would uh, replicate it and distribute it around the UK. And we were using of work bartenders to facilitate this to develop the drinks, but then also to deliver them on bikes around central London and Manchester. So, you know, great for their well being, giving them a purpose. And also they, they were earning some cash as well. Um, and we, it just grew and grew and grew the popularity. You know, we've still got some of the same customers from week one, you know, now a year and a half on later. And uh, yeah, it's just it's fascinating to see this uh, this demand for this ready to consume element uh, around drinks. And I think the other benefits as well, say for example, you do want a Negroni, you're gonna have to buy three bottles of booze, you know, just for one drink, that's gonna cost you 60, 70 pounds, but we do everything for you. You know, we, it's all luxury products that we use and mix it all together perfectly. All you need to do is just pour and enjoy. So yeah. it's... Um, it's here to last as well. So it's it's not just for, not just for a pandemic, you know, you know, we're still, the the bars are starting to open up again. You know, we've still got our customers. And for me, I, 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 I appreciate it. You know, if you've got people back at your house or people around for dinner, you can focus on the cooking (laughs) and then, then, you know, the drinks are ready to go and they're still going to be a showstopper. So yeah, you've tried them as well.
3: I, I i think it's i think it's interesting it's a good point you say it, it's here to stay because Daz and i were talking about virtual whiskey festivals and you know mm-hmm. is that going to stay in virtual tastings and i think all that all, all the stuff that we've experienced over the last year or so is definitely here to stay people are, people are maybe gonna you know not do as many zoom calls and zoom tastings because they can now go out to the pub and and and, and socialize but i think it's still going to be around and i i definitely think what you're doing Barry's going to stay around. It is it is a great product, man. I really like the, the cocktails and the whole concept of it. And the website's beautiful as well.
4: We've got a couple um, of international bars coming on board as well. So again, you know, people still can't travel. You can taste what, uh, you know, a bar in Mexico City is, you know, what they've created. And, and that's the wonder of this industry we're in. We can replicate these flavors. And even now with, you know, there's a few multi-sensorial elements that we're going to be adding. We've done 3D. Um, glasses and um, so actually took you into the bar last year um, but again this is you know we can play around with smells with uh, sounds each cocktail comes with its own playlist and so on and yeah it is, I think it's fascinating what you can do and, and what everyone has learned how to do over over this lockdown as well everyone knows how to order from DPD <laughs> I'm sure everyone's just used to
3: that now and so someone's on the website right now what do you recommend them them get and give us a couple of the cop- top cocktails
4: well i would keeping it whiskey um and keeping it to some of the best whiskey bars in the world uh, we've got one on from the gate in glasgow uh the calton club using um, it's actually using MacNean, like so they're, they're using their botanical spirit. so it's a pre-aged spirit that's um and you know distilled with uh, botanicals and wild botanicals from from the west of scotland and um it's like it's called the calton club so it's a big fruity um, you know, it's a twist on a sort of clover club. That is fantastic if you get to try that. And um, something completely different, uh, Don's Peach Cooler. So it's mezcal. Uh, it's like a mezcal peach iced tea. And when the sun is shining, which it looks like it is shining in Scotland today, that that that's the two I would um, I would quaff tonight.
1: Nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a wee look at the lemon and peach old fashioned. that that Mm. sounds sounds really really good i've had a few of these over the over the last year and they have been great and it's a brilliant way to like you say you want your favorite bars around the uk or even around the world because you had drinks from mexico and stuff like that last year as well you know if you can get your you're missing those things and get them in your house you can do a couple of very simple steps and then you can go for it, you know, you can have a couple of really, really nice cocktails, really well made. So, yeah, yeah I've, I've really enjoyed the drink shop, me. It's been class, but that, uh, that one sounds particularly good.
3: Thanks for listening to three Scottish guys chatting a load of pish about drinking whiskey in bars. If that sentence made you feel like you've just wasted about 30 odd minutes of your life, then you're probably right. Uh, but we do appreciate you jumping on to uh, listen to what we're
1: talking about. No, oh, definitely. It's a great to have Baz on here as our first guest as well. Really, really good to catch up. Baz, I hope it wasn't too painful for you, pal.
4: No, and, and uh, likewise, likewise. It's uh, it's good to see you guys. Good to chat to you guys, actually. And um, we can't see each other
3: on soon, a podcast. Mate. Soon, uh, I'm actually planning a London trip uh, in July, so. I'm busy. And um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, maybe catch up soon. <laughs> All right, guys, so check out our next episode where we're going to be talking about whiskey and movies. Uh, we'll maybe have another guest on because I think that that worked out not too bad, right? I mean, I mean, Baz didn't fuck it all up for us. So what do you think, Baz?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that was acceptable. Yeah. A, a good, solid six out of 10 performance, Baz. Thank you so much.
4: Thanks, guys. And as That's you great. know, I can do accents as well. So if you want me to come back next week and pretend to be Barry Norman or whatever, if you're doing whiskey and movies, I'm your man. <laughs>
1: John, right. John, John Candy,
3: John. Well, <laughs> no, thank you very much for joining us, and and thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, check it out next week, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, see
1: you guys soon. See you all soon. Slange.